Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. What is up, Waffle Gang? I do hope you are well. My name is Mark, and today we're checking out some Reddit stories from r slash Mark Narrations, our very own subreddit, which you can get involved and share your own stories to be read on the channel if you choose to do so, or just read a couple and comment, you know, the usual Reddit stuff. In these videos, we cover a different selection of Reddit stories, so we could be doing some Am I the Arsehole, followed by some relationships, followed by Nightmare Neighbors, you know, all the good stuff we usually cover, but all in one video. Or it might just be all Am I the Arsehole, who knows? We'll just go with it and we'll see what happens. But if you do enjoy today's stories, please consider, you know, hitting that like button and commenting below as it helps the channel out hugely. Thank you so much and let's crack on with today's story. And we're going to start off with Dracowin, if I did get your name wrong, I do apologize. And it's titled, Am I the Arsehole for Feeling Hurt That My Husband Wants to Pursue a Deeper Friendship with the Woman I Cut Off? And there's a few mentions of D&D, which is Dungeons and Dragons. And I just wanted to mention that just in case anyone didn't know, I'm, I'm sure you all do know, but I just wanted to be, just, I just want to say it just in case. This wound up longer than I meant it to be because I'm real bad at summarizing. Sorry in advance. My husband, male 33, and I, female 31, met these two women, female 25 and K, female 31, at a game shop back in 2018, when we all played at the same D&D table. We hit it off more with them than we did anyone else in the group, so when the campaign finished and the table dissolved, we opted to start another table at their place with one other guy from that initial group and eventually a couple of other friends of theirs. Long story short, over the course of our friendship, things started to sour until it got to the point that I was having panic attacks either before or after spending time with them. Never any big blowups, but enough passive aggressiveness, snippy comments, talking about me behind my back, and other forms of low-key bullying behavior, both in and out of the game, that I finally cracked and opted to stay away, both from the table and the friendship. It took eight months before I could play D&D again without it triggering a panic attack. And I know that might sound silly, but it's a pretty big deal to me. I'm ADHD and autistic and D&D is pretty much my biggest special interest, which if you know anything about autism means it's basically a core piece of who I am. When I initially discovered D&D, it was a huge part of pulling me out of a suicidal depression. When I lost the vital outlet and stopped being able to engage with something I am so passionate about with that extreme fear and pain, I spiraled back down. One of the biggest reasons I stayed with this group for as long as I did was because I didn't want to burn any bridges for husband. I mean, over the course of our friendship with M and K, he mentioned pretty frequently that he didn't feel like they actually cared he was there and that he was just included because he was my husband. He said he didn't mind because he didn't really like either of them much either. They both annoy him in some pretty specific ways, but he's just glad to have people he can play games with. Even so, I didn't want me stepping away to rob him of his fun by tainting him by association. I talked to him about this at length before I finally pulled the plug and he was supportive. He said he'd be planning on killing the table anyway. 
He was the dungeon master because he wasn't having fun anymore and wouldn't miss playing with them. He said there would be no love lost and that he was not at all worried about losing his friendship with either M or K. So as politely as I could, I broke off the friendship and bowed out of the table. Husband continued to DM for the table until they finished the story arc they were playing, which took about another five or six months before making the announcement that he didn't want to continue DMing and that he wanted to put the story on permanent hiatus. Another player C volunteered to do a one shot that pretty quickly turned into its own campaign. I didn't mind that so much. I admitted it irked me a little because I'd assumed based on what husband had said previously that it'd eventually bow out with me so we could find another table to join together. And I admittedly felt pretty jealous because C is both a really good player and DM and their story sounds like a lot of fun. But I 100% understand why husband would stay and keep playing given the circumstances. And I would honestly be really happy if he managed to become good friends with C or any of the others because he and I both always struggled to make friends. The issue stems from when husband started going to activities for M and slash or K outside of D&D. The kind of activities I'd previously had to drag him to or talk him into going to back when I was still trying to be friends with them. Things like attending K's flute recitals, going to movies with M, etc. I didn't say anything for the longest time because I didn't want to be controlling and didn't want to ruin anything for him. But he would complain about the activities and always had to debate going because he didn't really want to. Finally, last Thursday, he was telling me that he was debating going to K's birthday party that Saturday and was listing all the reasons he didn't want to go. I must have let something slip in my expression because he asked me what was on my mind. We've always striven to be very upfront and honest with each other, so I hesitantly answered and explained my feelings. I feel confused about why he's going to these activities if he doesn't want to. He explained that he was just trying to be a good friend. It made me feel surprised and upset that he's even trying to be a good friend to women who hurt me so deeply. Especially when he made it so clear in the past, he doesn't even like them and just wanted the people to play D&D with. He said that things change and that the group dynamic has been much better since I left. Oof. That since he no longer has to look at interactions through a lens now of how badly M and K were treating me and how miserable I was, he actually started to really enjoy himself. I started to get pretty upset at that point and explained that I didn't want him being close with them because as long as they're part of his life, they're still a part of mine. That I understood and didn't mind if he kept playing D&D with them because finding a good consistent table is like finding a unicorn. But that it hurt me that he seemed to be actively trying to foster relationships with the women that contributed so heavily to the major depressive episode I'm trying to claw my way back out of. What's more, we live in the middle of nowhere and it's an hour drive to their place in the city. We're on a pretty tight budget so paying for the gas and wear and tear on the car for at least one two hour round trip drive every week was already a strain. Wanting to double or even triple our gas budget so we can go to activities he's not even excited about so he can hang out with women he doesn't even like that much feels like a really unfair use of resources to me, especially when women in question hurt me so deeply. He says he can't see it from my perspective at all and that I have no right to tell him who he can or cannot be friends with. He says that while he didn't like them very much in the past, things change and he's feeling the momentum of growing a friendship and he doesn't want it to slow down. As I said before, both he and I struggle to make friendships. He thinks I'm being controlling and unreasonable and that he shouldn't have to stop being friends with someone just because they hurt my feelings and that their behavior towards me and my relationship with them has nothing to do with him and his relationship with them. 
I'm feeling really hurt and confused because he was so supportive of me when I cut ties with them and made me feel like he agreed with me and was on my team. But I'm also worried my perspective is wrong and I don't want to be a crazy controlling SO or do anything to prevent my husband from making meaningful friendships. I just really don't want those meaningful friendships to be with M or K. I never told him he couldn't be friends with them and I wouldn't dream of doing so. I just assumed and kind of hoped that as my husband, he wouldn't want to be friends with people who treated me the way they did. So, am I the asshole? And there's also a bit of a lengthy edit on this one where they wanted to expand on the information they've given us so far. So we're gonna go with that and edit. People have been asking for specifics about how M and K treated me. So here are some more clear examples and summaries. M's treatment of me was pretty overtly meant to hurt me. And when I'd protest, she'd say she was just teasing. K goes out of her way to enable M in pretty much every aspect of her life. Anytime I tried to defend myself from M, in or out of game, K would accuse me of bullying. I also realized over time that Kay would try to get me to have really deep private conversations with her so that she could then go and talk to her mum, sisters and Emma about the deeply personal stuff I told her. M would then throw out subtle passive aggressive snide comments to make sure I knew that she knew. Kay would push and push for more detail then accuse me of oversharing which is something that I am paranoid about because I struggle with social cues. In order for me to feel genuinely comfortable in a social environment and let my guard down, I need to feel confident that everyone I'm interacting with is saying what they actually mean. M made it very clear that she was content to perpetually do the opposite of that. Due to a lot of unresolved trauma and from my childhood and adolescence of undiagnosed, untreated autism, it is genuinely panic-inducing for me to find out that someone has said, said one thing to my face and something completely opposite behind my back. K and M spend a lot of time talking about me behind my back or saying something completely different to my face. When I started to sense just how much M disliked me, my brain went into depression fix-it mode, trying to maintain and salvage the friendship. This usually means I start making and giving presents and try to make as meaningful as possible to help the other party feel understood and loved. For example, M said she loved a good dark chocolate, and so I made a very elaborate dark chocolate cake using very expensive ingredients and brought it as a snack for D&D night. Everyone else said it was delicious, but she took one bite and threw the rest of the cake away and gave backhanded compliments. I spent upwards of eight hours designing and painting a custom miniature to represent M's character in the game. I used meticulous detail to try and include cool things she specified in her character design. Painting those teeny tiny blue light scars was hard. When I gave it to her, she glanced over it and said cool and handed it back to me. When I didn't do something the way M wanted, she would give me the silent treatment and actively ignore me and then tell others in our group that I wasn't responding to her messages, that she didn't ever send. A couple of summers back, she invited husband and me to a family's cabin for a couple a few days and got mad when we didn't seem to be having enough fun. We were both very vocal about how much we were enjoying ourselves and have been thanking her profusely since we left. She spent every evening going straight to her private room upstairs and closing the door, leaving Kay to explain why she didn't want to be around us. I spent that entire trip trying so hard every day to performatively show how much fun I was having that I wound up not having fun and promptly had a mental breakdown when we got home. During the road trip portion of the vacation, she put in headphones and occasionally offered a single headphone to Kay. When I asked if she wanted us to plug her phone into the speaker so we could all listen to the trip playlist she was listening to and had said she made for us, she gave me a dirty look and stayed silent for a minute before saying, nah, I'm good. In game, she would make passive aggressive comments almost any time I spoke until I eventually stopped talking altogether. 
She would actively exclude my characters and try to get them to go away. Would find excuses to talk to other PCs about my characters when they technically weren't around, so I couldn't say anything. Usually while trying to make pointed eye contact with me during the mean discussions. She would try to turn the other PCs against whatever character I was playing. This happened in three separate games, so I know it wasn't just one character she had a vendetta against. Anytime I disagreed with her about anything, she would cry bullying. Anytime I responded negatively to the way she was treating me, she would cry bullying. I guess, to be more accurate, she would usually only cry bullying to Kay, and then Kay would tell everyone how terrible I was. I tried rephrasing and changing how I played my characters to appease her over and over, until I couldn't play without panicking because I always did something wrong, and so I was afraid of making the wrong choice and making her mad or hurt her feelings. I honestly kind of wonder if when Kay told us back at the beginning that she was hoping for the four of us to all be really good friends, M took that as a challenge to try and drive us away. But yeah, in answer to your question, it was just lots of manipulative, passive-aggressive needling that made me second-guess everything I said or did as I tried to take care of everyone's emotions but my own. It was extremely reminiscent of the emotional abuse I got as a kid, so it sent me back to that place. And they knew that what they were doing because of all the private stuff I confided to Kay that she passed on to M. And that was a long one, OP. That was a long one indeed. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. And I kind of enjoyed, enjoyed might be the wrong word here, but like that you expressed, I got exactly how you was feeling all the way through that story. You explained your feelings and how you was, you know, you spiraled down and stuff and the way that they made you feel. And I really appreciate like when you add those details because it, it really gives me a feel for how you actually feel in that situation. There's obviously lots of different dynamics going on in this story. M sounds pretty manipulative to me, but I'm going to come at this straight away from your initial question. And am I the asshole for feeling hurt that my husband wants to pursue a deeper friendship with the women I cut off? And I can't say you are the arsehole in this one because, you know, when everything was going down and they was making the snide and snippy comments towards you, you're feeling attacked and it was getting you down onto the verge of panic attacks, as you said in your story. And so you went to break off the friendship and you did so, but you spoke to your husband beforehand and he said he didn't mind breaking off the friendship with them either, which, you know, you would have felt supportive in. Like you said, you would have felt you was part of a team. And then he pretty much went back on that and said, oh no, we're great friends now. Now that you're gone, we're great friends, which just sounds pretty tacky. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Listen to me. Even even to continue for like the five or six months afterwards. And I know it's D&D and people were very passionate about it. I've, I can't say I've ever had, I've only done it once when I was like very, very young. So I can't remember too much about it. And I know people are very passionate about D&D and carrying on. But 
I'd like to say if I was your partner and I was in this situation, I'd have your back and I'd have walked out of that game there and then, you know, when you left, I'd have been gone as well. And I wouldn't have carried on for five or six months. Knowing the way you're feeling, knowing that, you know, both of you already struggle to make friends and knowing how you'd be feeling about that as well. There just seems to be no empathy towards your feelings in this and it's about how he's feeling. And I know, and I can kind of understand in some ways why he's attached himself to these friends. You know, if you do really find it that difficult to, to, you know, socialize and make friends and stuff like that, to find a good group of people, why would you want to lose them, right? It would be absolutely fantastic to find a good D&D group that you can go to every week and, you know, have these gaming sessions. I totally understand that. But the insensitivity towards your feelings in this is just not on to me. And that's the way I feel. And and I'm just going to give you a brief overview of the comments because there's, you know, we've, we've covered quite a lot already on this story. So some of the first comments were initially saying possibly cheating. Some comments saying that, you know, husband is being very, very insensitive in this. But what do you guys make of this story? Put yourself in OP shoes. How would you feel if your husband did this to you in that position, if you was in that position? Let me know your thoughts in the comments below and we'll move on to another story. And our next story comes from Nymph Waifu. Would I be the asshole if I quit my job when we are severely short-staffed? Hi Mark, I love your videos and I wanted to post and support the channel. Bloody legend. I, female 22, work at a hotel and I love my job. Other than the occasional midnight shift and slight sleep deprivation, it's amazing working here. My managers are awesome, my coworkers are nice, and almost like I've known them for a while. My biggest problem is one coworker. This guy is horrible. He complains about literally everything, doesn't do his job while he complains about it, targets people while acting nice to their face. He makes the workplace horrible, and there has been so many complaints from guests and coworkers about this guy. He treats me like a literal child, calling me a kid, and acts like my dad and manager at the same time. I've even got in one screaming match with this guy from being one minute late. The thing is, myself and a few of my coworkers have complained to higher management about him and it seems like nothing is being done about the situation at all. This whole thing is making me dread coming into work and half of my week I have to deal with him. We are horribly understaffed to the point that if someone calls off then everything is screwed up since we only have enough for one or two people to be off and have one person work a shift. The situation is so stressful. I'm about to go up to the manager and tell him that if he's not fired, I'm quitting. Would I be the asshole if I go up to my manager with an ultimatum about the situation? ETA, thank you for all the responses. I've seen a lot of things in your responses that made me add some small details I thought was irrelevant or wasn't communicated properly. One, no one has shifts together. Due to us being understaffed, we work by ourselves but we still have to see each other when we relieve each other from our shifts. When we read in the notebook that we write in for each shift that he wrote an essay about a certain shift not doing their job. Two, the situation has lifted up to the owner of the hotel. We're independently owned and it's gotten to the point where even managers are unhappy with this guy. So there is a chance they're going to do something about it, especially since his name wasn't on the recent schedule, but his times were. For the initial question, you're absolutely not the asshole to me. If you was to quit, if they're short staff, that's their problem. That's management's problem. That is not yours. However, I wouldn't go up to your management or boss or whoever with an ultimatum that it's either them or me. Sure, make a complaint about a certain member of staff. Absolutely. Then it's their decision to make that call to either sack that person or not. I think sometimes you put people in a difficult spot and I don't think they can fire someone just because... 
someone else said they're going to quit. It puts them in that position where they might lose you and end up with a sucky member of staff, even if they don't want to, just because they can't make decisions on ultimatums. But as I said before, always make your complaints or your viewpoints to your manager about you know that member of staff and why you why you don't get along with them and would like something done about it but i wouldn't go in there saying it's either them or me i don't think that's a good look and it just won't work out as well as you hoped and that's not because you're not better than them it's just because you put them in that difficult situation but it's a not the arsehole from me with Sinner Supremus who says not the arsehole working in a toxic environment is way worse than working understaffed. We were always understaffed at one job I had and we had one person who was exactly like your coworker. We were all stressed and overworked and one night jerk face didn't come in. It was the best night we had in weeks. The difference in morale and stress was amazing. Did we have more work to do? Yes, but not a lot more because they didn't do much anyways. And we had the added bonus of not having to listen to them complaining. Trixie Vic says not the arsehole. This guy sounds toxic and he's creating a hostile work environment. Don't go in there with an ultimatum on your own though. You need to get together with your coworkers, write up a complaint, list of offenses, and then write your demand. Print it out and have all your coworkers sign it. Take it to the manager and let them know that if the offending guy isn't fired, that all of you will quit. This guy hasn't been fired yet because he's probably friendly with the manager. So you're gonna have to hit hard and with conviction. Everybody has to be down with the plan. Workers have power if they band together. I've been a long-time listener and there have been stories like this before and they work out best when everyone decides on a plan together. Play the smart OP. And one more from Art by LC who says not the arsehole. It might sound harsh, but then being short-staffed is not your problem. I highly recommend going to your manager first and explaining why you're thinking about leaving because they might rather keep you than that guy. However, be as professional as you can about it since you seem to like the actual work and other people you might want to leave on relatively good terms. Now, what would you do in this situation? What would you advise OP to do? They really like their job, they just dislike this one coworker. Let me know your thoughts in the comments below and thank you for sharing your story. And we'll move on to the next one. And our next story comes from Aces of Spade. Am I the asshole for not feeling anything over a dying family member? This is a bit of a different am I the arsehole, but I figured I could get some advice on it. Also, I'm dyslexic, so I apologize in advance for my mistakes. So my 21 non-binary stepmother's 44 female mother, 70s female, was diagnosed with cancer a few weeks ago. Lung cancer that metastasized into her bones, to be specific. My stepmother's sister, 50s female I think, waited a week to take her to the hospital for the chest pain she was feeling. Then they found out it was cancer. My first reaction to finding out is that she had lung cancer was, this should have been expected because for as long as I've known her, about 10 years, she's been at least a pack a day smoker. In the weeks since, she started chemo and has been admitted to the hospital. My stepmother has been talking to the doctors and both of her older siblings about what's been going on with her mother. She'd been telling me some of the updates and every time I've just felt nothing. I didn't feel much of anything when my stepmother's fathers died in 2016. I think I don't process time very well. Of complications from double pneumonia. I'd met him like once and didn't know him well. I've met her mother a lot more, spent time with her, got to know her more, but I still feel nothing at the fact that she has cancer. Yesterday, my stepmother found out that her mother has three to six months left to live, which she just told me like 20 some minutes ago. My only reaction was, ouch, because I didn't know what else to say on the matter. It sucks, but I still feel nothing on the matter. 
I feel like a monster for not having any stronger feelings on the matter. An emotionless monster because I never grew to see her as a grandmother, but my step-siblings took to my grandparents pretty quickly. My father and stepmother have been together for something like 10 years, married for five, and in that time, I never grew to see her as my grandmother. Maybe it's because I already have two, even though one of them died in 2008 when I was still in elementary school, but I could never really see her as a grandmother. I obviously think it sucks that she's dying, but that's about it. I'm not sad, I don't have any super strong feelings. It's just an objective fact that she's dying. Sorry for rambling, I just needed to put this somewhere. So, am I the asshole for not having any strong feelings about a family member dying? As always, when we cover death and grief, we say people react and, and grieve in different ways and all this kind of stuff. We could put a new category on that as well. You know, when a family member's passing away, they react in different ways as well. And the fact that you really didn't know this person all too well, yeah, you're definitely not the asshole in this situation. The only thing that I could maybe slightly, ever so slightly pull you up on And again, it still comes under the fact that people act in different ways. Was your reply of, ouch, you know, it could be slightly tactless maybe, but I'm not going to blame you for it either. In the last couple of years, you know, with all the death and stuff that goes on, and I'm sorry I mentioned it every time, but it's the only relatable thing I got. You see people just like standing there in shock. You see some people just going like, oh, wow. You see other people actually burst out laughing when they're told about, you know, pretty devastating things. Sometimes it's out of shock. Sometimes it's just you don't know what to say. And it's just the intent behind it. You didn't intend to be, you know, tactless in that situation. You just went, ouch, because what else is there to say on the matter? You could have turned around and said, look, I'm sorry about that. But that was your initial response. That was your feelings at that particular moment. You said, ouch, that's all there was to it. You're definitely not the asshole for feeling the way you do. I've had family members pass away that I've been, you know, relatively close to in some ways and i felt nothing as well and some people might say that's part of grieving and i need therapy for it and stuff like that but i'm very pragmatic about things as well it happens to all of us at some point perhaps in different ways and stuff like that and yes you can be sad but i always look to the good memories that we have with people who's passed away and try to remember the good stuff about them and i've gone off completely from opie's initial thing here because because opie's in a bit of a different situation here in the fact that their relatives still here for you know the next three to six months possibly more but unknown says not the asshole i know exactly how bad it makes you feel but it shouldn't we aren't super close as you try to be supportive to any family members who might need your help you are good just behave appropriately and don't let them exactly know you feel absolutely nothing sometimes you don't realize that a death impacts you right away sometimes you just start to miss them years later I personally know the guilt you feel for not being sad. I'm exactly like that. My grandpa passed away a few months ago, also from cancer. When we found out his diagnosis, I was feeling sad in behalf of my dad, but I wasn't really sad about losing my grandpa. People were grieving and the entire topic about death makes me very uncomfortable. I just tried to be as supportive as I could, even though I felt uncomfortable at times. I felt like a heartless monster as well. I learned that death is a very personal topic and there is no right way to behave. You don't have to cry at funerals just to look normal. Don't feel bad. You cannot change your feelings and focus on supporting your family members that need your help. Quiet Tone says that dying does not a relationship make. You just need to respect the grieving process of your stepmother and her family. So that said, I would not make any issue out of this this one way or another. You can be supportive and compassionate to living without mourning the dead. Irish Bridges says, not the arsehole, you weren't close. Level of closeness in life is going to translate to level of grief and death. Also, it sounds like this has been a long time coming. 
any grieving you were going to do probably has already happened. I've gone through that with a couple of family members, not step relations, full-blooded relatives. And that's a very good point as well. Had this exactly with my mum and my dad. I felt like I grieved way before they passed away, which is a, it's a strange feeling, but it does happen. And one more from Irate Shepherd, who says, not the arsehole. Info though, did you literally say ouch when she told you? If so, I would understand if your stepmother was a little hurt by your reaction. Possible lack of tact aside, you aren't a monster for not having strong feelings of grief. You didn't have much of a relationship with them. So like when you hear the news of a stranger dying, you aren't going to have the same feelings of those who were close to them, even if it's family. When my maternal grandparents died, I didn't have an intense feelings of grief as others in my family, though I did feel more for my grandmother, but family drama made me have some reservations for her until years after her passing. Don't think less of yourself for how you grieve. It's messy and brings up every emotion. My condolences for your family. Now, what do you guys make of this one? What what are your thoughts about it? About this one and all of today's stories as well. As always, I would love to hear them. Thank you so much for your time out of your day. Thank you for the stories for your sharing on the subreddit. Come get involved over there if you choose to do so. Again, never any pressure. And just a huge thank you from the bottom of my heart for being involved. Much love, guys. Goodbye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.